0: This week's episode is brought to you by COVID-19, which can fuck off entirely into the sun. I hope everybody out there is staying safe. We're back. Let's go.
1: Safe to say this top line is the best in the league?
2: Yeah,
0: we are.
1: Nathan (laughs) McKinnon! Oh, Captain, by Captain!
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for, I don't know, let's call it June 1st, 2020. Coming up on the show, it's a little hard for me to give a shit about hockey right now with everything going on in the United States, but we're going to do our best here because the league has finally come out with this return-to-play plan, and we need to talk about it. Matchups, hub cities, health and safety protocols, the whoosh, disembodied voices. Joining me, as always, are Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And all the way from the internet, it's Tiger Vixen. Hey, Jackie. Hello,
2: glad to be back.
0: Hard to believe it was this week, honestly, but earlier this week, Gary Bettman announced how, not when yet, but how, the NHL will resume operations. In case you missed any of the details, here's the highlights. The regular season is over, and anyone lower than 12th in their conference is done, so say goodbye to the San Jose Sharks and the Detroit Red Wings, um, and all those teams like that. The next phase will start early this month, and that consists of players being allowed to voluntarily return to their team cities and start small group workouts both on and off the ice. We'll get into the details of that, but first, the next phase, which won't happen any earlier than, quote, the first half of July, will include formal training camp. And finally, at a time TBD, we start the action. The action includes two hub cities, which are not yet announced, we'll get to that too, and everybody will play some games. If you're in the top four of your conference, you're in a round open to determine seeds one through four. Cool. Meaningful games. If you're ranked five through twelve, you get a best of five play-in series. Losers go home. Winners make it to the first round and may be reseeded. We don't really know yet. I hope so. We'll get there. It's the normal playoffs from there, although they haven't yet decided whether the first and second rounds will be five or seven game events. The Western Conference will be in one hub. The Eastern Conference will be in the other. And for the Western Hub, your Avalanche are ranked number two. So they are in the round robin. Now that's already a lot of information, so don't think we forgot the draft lottery, we're just going to come back to that. They've considered the current shutdown and player isolation phase one, so phase two, what I'm thinking of as distant hockey. Players can come back, they're in groups of six at a time while they're training, and the drills are non-contact. Coaches can't interact in person. Everyone who isn't a hockey player currently doing a drill has to mask up, and this is all voluntary anyway. Testing for SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus responsible for COVID-19, is heavily recommended. Daily symptom and temperature checks are required. Teams who break these rules may be subject to fines and loss of draft picks. So, this is weird, right? Well, everything about this is weird.
1: (laughs) It is. Um, I I get that they want to put out information that that, that gives hope to fans as soon as possible, and there's a lot of blank spots in this already, but um, I'm glad they sort of put the the first step forward on this, even though we don't really know when when much of this is going to
0: happen yet.
2: Yeah, it's good to know that there's just some decisions made, because at some point you have to make some.
0: Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, like, the league has to make a plan of how it's going to come back. It can't just sit and wait for the all to blow over. It's, it's got to figure out something. Well, and, yeah,
2: and I feel especially because it's not like anything about next year is guaranteed either. Like I know there's a lot of sentiment out there. Like, why are you bothering with the effort, the expense, all these logistics? where well, there's presumably more risk now than there would be later. But the thing is, the league does not want to start on time. They don't want to start in October. They, ne- they have never liked fall hockey. So for them, they're not even giving anything up. Like they're comfortable starting in December and then they want to push it off as far as they can to hope for some sort of normalcy or fans or something like that. So it's not like rush in, get this done and then, or play in September. It's like hockey now or not hockey now because you're not going to get it any You're not going to get the next season any sooner.
1: Right, and as much as we think that it's kind of pointless to, to you know, start next season without fans in the stands, they might discover something, an unintended consequence or, or whatever, that that maybe playing without fans has some viability, or, or at least they'll know um, what they can get out of it. They, they, they have that to play with as far as information about You know, if they can't start with fans in the stands in January, does it make sense to wait until March? Or maybe they can get going, you know, in some ways, and and be able to satisfy some of the needs of the league and the advertisers and everybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, how I feel is you have to accept the current circumstances. Like you can't just wait around for the magical vaccine to fall out of the sky and make everything better. Like you have to adapt to what. The situation is if it improves, then then you can also improve your plan along with it. But yeah, you the league can't just say, well, if we don't have fans, we're just not going to have a season. Like at some point, you also have to make decisions how to proceed at that point. And as much as the NHL needs gate revenue more than the other professional sports, major professional sports, they are still a major professional sport. This is not the AHL. So, there's a lot of TV advertising, media revenue that they do generate. So, if anyone's going to play without a full house, it's going to be the NHL and not the other hockey league.
1: Right, and NASCAR is the first major professional sport that's opened up. And they are a very gate-driven sport. And you know they're managing to to limp along like they are and, and they've they've really modified how they do things um, they're they're holding races in the middle of the week and and sort of grouping races at at a single track together um, over a, a couple of days and and you know they're sort of showing the way at maybe how uh, other leagues can you know look at what they've done and and maybe you know improve on it and, and adapt it to their league or situation
0: I was honestly surprised that the NHL beat the NBA to this one because the size of an NHL operation, like between even a bigger roster and all of the support staff that goes into maintaining a, you know, hockey equipment and a hockey, you know, ice is, yeah, just, ice. is so much bigger. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and not saying, you know, basketball is, you know, they only have basically 12 guys on a roster and. and you know, they you, you do need special climactic conditions inside of a building to play basketball, but it, it it's nothing like having uh, to provide a sheet of ice. So, yeah, that is interesting.
2: But, I'm glad. You know, maybe NH- it's maybe
1: it's that fact that that makes the NHL need to get on this quicker. I don't know.
2: I'm glad that the NHL didn't feel like they needed to follow the NBA. It it makes sense that all the major professional sports are consulting and discussing with each other. I don't think any one of them is just going to completely step out of what the others are doing. But I, I do like that it's that the NHL just doesn't always have to do what the NBA is doing. And we'll see who plays first. I might be a little skeptical that the NHL will actually have games first, but because like you said, there are fewer players and Maybe some of the logistics is easier. But the other thing is the NBA wasn't as far along into their season as the NHL. So I think they're even a little bit more married to the idea that they want to continue regular season games than the NHL finally gave it up, which is a good thing.
1: Yeah.
0: So do we want to spend a little bit of time on what some of these health and safety measures actually consist of during what they call Phase 2? I think sure. it makes
1: sense at least as far as what the players have to do you know the main thing they've laid out as far as the players returning to their home city when we're not talking about um, the actual training camps but you know it it, it does seem like they they're they're trying to sequester single groups together of six skaters and they want each of those groups to have a strength and conditioning coach and you know various support personnel that Only you deal with them. So if someone does come down with the virus, they can trace it quickly, and you know it's not going to affect the other groups as much, and and that makes sense. But it, depending on how much sort of fitness activity the guys will have done um, before they come to Denver, I'm going to be interested to see sort of what they're going to get out of um, sort of a very what, what sounds like a pretty light. Regime.
0: Because there's no contact drills, for sure. Um, There's no weightlifting that requires a spotter. There's no, like... You you are not near other people, and I'm not sure if you will know this, but hockey's a contact sport. Yeah. Even in flavors where hitting's illegal, it's still a contact sport.
2: I think the big part of that is getting on the ice, and I think that's the part that the players need a length of time before they can play. And I think them conceivably being able to be on the ice for a month, I think will end up shortening the training camp because, yeah, I think- because the, when they get to it, if they feel ready physically, at least from that standpoint, the players are not going to want three weeks of training camp. If no. it was straight from the couch or the garage gym to training camp, then yeah, absolutely, they're going to need that conditioning time. So I think they've built in this sort of buffer, and that's the important part of this phase two, is that everybody will have access to ice. And the reason why they can't just say, okay, phase two starts now, is because, like you said, all these certain protocols that they've, they've baked into this plan, which is a good thing, but I think they need to be careful because some players are already getting on ice wherever they are, Because these facilities may not be open to the public, but they're open to private rentals. And we already know that some NHL players are using this ice. So they're going to have to act quickly because if they want this certain safety curtain, it's going to be kind of pointless if they can't get to it. And then everyone else is finding ice on their own and doing it without all these protocols.
1: Yeah, I mean, one way to look at it is that there, there's not a lot of fitness and, and sort of a game shape that's going to translate from what we've gone through already in this year to whenever things get going again. You know, this, this really is like starting over with a brand new season, even though we're just continuing the old one. And it, this is basically August. In a regular season, it's like the guys are just going to, you know, be returning to the ice to start their skating drills and, and getting in that kind of shape before um, they get together in larger groups and start, you know, perhaps doing a little bit of contact work and all that. So, you know, ha- having the no contact and just skating for right now, um, you know, that's that's pretty close to what we would see in a normal season and it's as far as over the summer.
0: It's good and it's necessary because, like, you can only do so much aerobic. It's not, like, on dry land, it's not going to build the same muscle groups as skating is. Um, And it's it's important that the league has this and maybe other leagues don't because uh, how many other professional sports leagues play on ice? You know? Like, um, (laughs) basketball. One. (laughs) If if you're trying to prepare for, you know, a basketball season, you can do all that on dry land. You've probably got a, a goal at your house you can shoot at. If you're trying to prepare for baseball season, like you don't need much. It's uh, you, hockey's got a, a high barrier to entry that includes, you know, a, a facility that maintains ice. So, a little bit tough to find that in June in North America.
1: Yeah, and it, while it would be terrible, of course, that you know, if if someone came down with the virus and things had to be shut down partially or, or all the way um that would be bad but you know if they start playing games and everyone has groin hip high ankle injuries and that devastates you know large portion of the of the of the guys remaining um you know that would look bad too so it's like they they need to get in skating shape then game shape and then start playing games i mean it it doesn't make a lot of sense if the guys are going to be unprepared when they start playing games and everybody just gets injured.
2: But I think up to two months on ice that, like you said, this is kind of like when a normal August might be starting, so or a late July, so that that's around the normal time frame for them. So it yeah. should be okay.
0: And this is still the phase where even if a player tested positive, it's not going to shut down... Like it may shut down a team for a little bit, but it's not going to shut down anybody else, um, and and it may not even shut down the team where the positive case is if they're doing a good enough job of keeping their small group separate, and you know cleaning down the facility before and after every day like they're supposed to, and and all that. So, I mean, honestly, this this phase two plan is very robust, and I I don't know how they could have done much better with. Trying to get their players prepared to play again, you know, while still balancing safety. Um, and this is where I want Earl to talk about the uh, the safety czar or whatever it's called.
1: <laughs> the hygiene officer. Um, yeah, it, the the club is going to requ- or the the league is going to require that each club uh, that's still involved with this have a a hygiene officer, and, and it's basically a, a compliance type deal. <clears throat> and. It doesn't sound like this the qualifications for this job are are going to pertain to anyone that's that's currently involved in league. So it's going to be basically hiring someone from the healthcare um profession um or it, it could be from infectious diseases something like that. But someone's going to have to come in and go over all the protocols with how the, the players use the locker rooms and how that needs to be cleaned afterwards and get with the staff that's going to be doing the cleaning and making sure they're doing it in a way that doesn't put them in jeopardy. And the same with gym equipment. No spotting, of course, but they will be using equipment without spotting. Um, and so this person is basically going to be making sure that everything they do will give them the best chance to avoid spreading the virus if someone does indeed contract it and you know that's that's a really non-nhl thing to have so it's going to be interesting to see if anyone actually talks about these hygiene officers and and whether you know this is something that's going to be very background and and, you know how how much um these protocols and this person is going to influence what goes on over the next few weeks
2: We'll have to see if like Montreal or Toronto or um, a market like that discusses this person or not. Yeah. Because they'd be the ones most likely to. Right,
1: you know the Avs aren't going to talk about their hygiene. <laughs> we no. even find out their name, it's going to be a minor miracle. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, in Toronto, this the hygiene officer will attain celebrity status rather quickly.
2: I think um, it is good that this stuff is kind of a test run for the hub and maybe they learn some things or try things that do or don't work in this little bit more controlled and lower risk type of venture at this point so it is and, and to get the players and everybody used to certain things that they're going to have to do so i think it's a good idea to start everyone with this phase two and then into phase three which you pr- I'm sure be more restricted before they end up at the hub cities so it's good that they don't go just from just totally out in the world to reporting at the hub for for the whole shebang so um uh, i think like you guys said i think that yeah the nhl has done a pretty good job of at least planning and outlining and coming up with these protocols
0: so we don't really know when exactly Phase 2 will get underway, although we know it will be soon. Um, I think it's probably worth no- noting that part of the reason for that is a lot of these guys that are going to... We can't say have to because it's voluntary. A lot of these guys who are going to want to attend these non-camps are going to be traveling internationally. And um, that's going to involve a quarantine period for them of a couple of weeks. So... We may see, like, some smaller groups, like, like a couple of the smaller groups start to fire up here and there in the next week or two. Um, but everybody who's going to be there isn't going to be there until mid-June just because of you know, government restrictions. Right. And, and so- I,
1: I saw an interview with McKinnon. I, I I don't know exactly when it was taped. I think it was sometime this week. And he said he was thinking about heading to Denver soon, which, you know, that that could have been... The day after he was talking or this week or next week or whatever, but, um, you know, he didn't exactly, he hadn't been told by the Avs, you know, like you need to be in town by this date or anything.
2: Well, it, it'll be more interesting for the Europeans because they're less restricted where they are, like they can already use the gym and the ice and things like that, so they don't necessarily need to come back. If you have that available to you, you don't necessarily need to come back for that. I think those that don't have access, those are the ones that are going to be a bit more motivated. So, McKinnon does have a home gym, but I don't think he's had access to ice, so that probably does motivate
1: That's what he said.
2: Yeah, a bit more. So, I think another thing is, some of them are waiting more for them to explicitly say Phase 2 has started. I think some of the Europeans are are going to wait maybe for Phase 3 just to make sure that it's going to happen because they don't want to jump through the hoops, come back to the U.S. and then have it not happen and then try to get back to their home country. So Everyone has different timing for different reasons, but I know for sure that Sam Gerard made it back from Canada, so all the people worrying about how like, it's not possible, or they're not going to let them. He somehow made it, so I think it'll be okay.
0: That was always silly. Like, is the government um, really not just going to let people through? Like, come on. <laughs> that was that was always going to be what was going to happen. And if it wasn't, Sam would have spun away from him anyway. It would have been fine. Well, one thing,
1: like Steph was saying, all right, you, you have a 14-day quarantine, and I guess that applies to everyone. I would assume so. I don't
2: think I, the U.S. has a quarantine. Well, the NHL said they want anybody traveling pu- um, yeah, public, like commercial air or rail,
1: right.
0: to quarantine. So, I mean, but, basically
1: anyone that's not in Denver right now is going to have to quarantine for 14 days.
0: Yeah, unless they road trip I, I'm
2: not... Yeah, either they could have driven or...
1: What are they, they have someone I, traveling with them to, to gas them up and so they don't have to touch anything that might be infected? I mean... I don't think there's a safe way you can travel. Yeah, there
0: is. Private or not, you you put your gloves on, you gas up the car, you throw your gloves away, you use your hand sanitizer, and you go. Done.
1: I know I you can to... do it. I'm just saying, there's no way that you can record that. Yeah, well, I think there's no so way that specific. you can be sure that that you know, if Colin Wilson was driving back from so wherever he lives, and you know, did he actually put on his gloves at every gas stop and? you know, wears mask and everything like that. I mean, it's,
2: you know. Well, I think the thing is the public part is what they explicitly said in the rules.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I also do believe a lot of these players are going to have charters. I read a lot of them chartered back to their countries. Yeah. So, especially for, like, the the high-end Swedes and Finns and probably Russians, they're probably not coming back on public transportation anyway.
0: That would be that a does safe way to sense. do it. Just stay away from, from Jimmy Public in the middle of all this. I mean, frankly, if if I'm a European and I'm looking at what's going on with the virus in the United States, do I really want to come back at the beginning of Phase 2?
2: Right, exactly. Especially if you have access to ICE, then no. Then you're going to wait for them to say, this is the date you have to report by and work off of that.
1: Yeah, if they don't have to self-isolate for 14 days after coming back, then yeah, the, it would would not make sense to, to come back until it's, it's probably well underway.
0: And we're back from probably the worst technical error we've had since the Lost episode. Uh, so my <laughs> laptop just totally crashed, and we were just wrapping up the conversation on Phase 2. So I think we will just go ahead and move on to Phase 3 then, and just be super grateful that Reaper Auto saved basically all of the audio. Shout out to Reaper. Um, Phase three, we know a lot less about, and it's still a good six weeks or more away. They're relying on guidance from medical and civil authorities, is what the press release says, but the phrasing is formal training camps. So, I'm guessing that's basically a normal camp, with the addition of symptom reporting and testing and as little interaction with non-team personnel as possible? Like, what do we know here?
1: What? I think it's. I mean, I take it that training camps will be at the hub cities and they will be fully sequestered.
2: I think um, they. Maybe not from
1: it- each other as far as team by team, but they will try to sequester them as much as possible from um, anyone not directly involved with the teams.
2: It's interesting because it seems like phase three is the most ambiguous of this whole thing. It, they've outlined phase two pretty well, they've talked quite a bit about phase 4 which is the the hub and the playing but i think what they said this week was that training camp would not be at the hub but i think they could change that depending on their needs at the time so if if the and training I, I camp i also think
1: that I, before they select the hubs or before the hubs are selected it's hard to say like yeah we could have training camp there or no we could not have training camp there
2: Because certain teams like Vancouver said they're thinking about having training camp in the U.S. because they don't want to have to have the mandatory 14-day quarantine for those arriving into Canada. But one thing that I have also heard is that when they're all together in the hubs, that can count as quarantine. It does. The government doesn't state you have to stay in your hotel room and not talk to anybody. That the fact that they're in in the isolated environment to begin with counts as quarantine. So there's a lot of details to work out, I think about that part, but it is a good question. How do you transition from being out quote unquote in the public, but with the safety protocols of, of the skating and such in phase two. And then if you still are in, you know, living at home or whatever, or do they all have to move into a hotel and do the training camp that way so i think this that that is the area that they don't have the details as much and maybe they'll need to see how phase two goes before they can adapt and see do they need tighter controls or has everything basically gone okay where they can just move forward from skating to the actual camp part without changing a whole lot
0: yeah, a training yeah. camp can function really naturally as just kind of a dry run for the hubs. Like even more than phase two can, because that's very c- controlled, very small groups. But the, a, a full on training camp is a really good dry run for for the hub.
2: And I think it also depends how how much they're going to need. Like yeah. if the players say that we don't really think three weeks is what we need, and they can cut it down, that could change things too.
1: Yeah, I can't see the training camps lasting longer than two weeks at all.
2: I can't either, especially with if they can get on the ice. They, there's no way the players want to practice or do conditioning skates.
1: Well, and the, and the thing is, is during phase two, you can do a lot of you can do a lot of the not off ice work, and I don't mean weight room work. I mean um, the systems work, the lectures by the the coaching staff and stuff. They can start banging that. Um, during phase two, because that's you know that that's not something that you need contact for. You can do that, you know. They they have video chats um, through the team and whatnot. So, um, you know, I th- I think they can get a lot of the uh, X's and O's out of the way be- and and be really ready just to skate and drill during training camp. So I I really don't see it lasting all that long.
2: I think if it's shorter, it probably should be in the hub just because i th- I think it would get them to playing quicker if they anticipate they only really want a week, but we'll we'll see. I think that that section is the one that can move around a lot
1: yeah i mean i i i I would think if you get to the hub city ten days before games are start are supposed to begin. Um, that would be plenty of time as long as you didn't need to do something before you could get on the ice for an amount of time. Like if if they had to sequester for a few days or something, um, just to be tested, to have a testing base or whatever, <clears throat> um, just add that on. But I, I don't think that the, once they are allowed to formally start skating in a, a full training camp mode, they're going to need you know, much more than, than 7 to 10 practices.
0: It's definitely going to take time for the people that were not in the small groups with each other to get back to being used to each other. That's totally a thing. Yeah. It, it always takes time for everyone to get back to speed in, in that realm. But the the main thing that will be interesting from Phase 3 is seeing who all is there, because that's where you're going to have to have your roster, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, at, at that point, at that point, you have to have you have to know who you're going to be relying on to play during all 4.1 rounds of the playoffs. Um, so you know that's uh, the management's going to be going through these decision-making processes over the next few weeks in phase two about you know who they're actually going to be able to bring to the hub city and, and having the training camp and on the, the final roster. And which I guess has been said, it's going to be 28 skaters plus unlimited goalies. And you're going to have 50 people total from your contingent. Um,
2: which includes like to... coaches and trainers, equipment, right. guys, like everyone. So it makes Hygiene sense. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense that the <laughs> NHL is going to want to limit the, the, the party size because you, you can't just bring absolutely everyone and yeah. the interesting thing is is that two-thirds of the teams that are in the 24 will be gone after the play in the first round. so if I think if you need to add or change maybe some of the circumstance, you could at that point but when you have everybody there you have to limit it to a, a specific number. And so that makes sense, which it it always naturally brings up who should be a part of the, the 28. And it's funny because it's not really different from the whole Black Ace situation, which would be a normal playoffs, is that you bring up all your AHLers when their season's done. So it's not really that unusual, but with perhaps a number cap, then it does force some choices and
1: i think the weird thing with the abs is they've they've had you know four plus guys on injured reserve for a lot of the season so we haven't really seen the full roster in a long time i think probably early february was last time they're really healthy um
2: so well, it's... the interesting part is now we have Nemestikov. And, right, and he's and never then...
1: played with half these guys. You
2: know? <laughs> <laughs> and then you yeah. have, I, I don't know about Wilson. When they asked Bednar, he was still a little noncommittal, but it's just been so long at this point. Where, yeah. is he a possibility? Because if he can't go for this, then there's no way he he's going to be able to go in what would have been the normal next season anyway. So... <laughs> Right, um. So it, which which would leave two on the bench of yeah normal quote unquote NHLers, it might leave like Wilson or Nieto yeah. or Jost or someone like that on the bench. So they will and especially that, have extra forwards.
1: Yeah, I mean they they have fifteen forwards that were with the team and did not play AHL time all season, um and and you know that that includes who obviously was only around after february 24th but um you know that that's a lot right there and you you start getting beyond that and you're starting to think like you know all right it's it's cool to like think he would be the best replacement there but you're also thinking if you start to need guys past those 15, you know, who's injured and, and how dire is this situation? You know, it's like if if Landy, Mack, and Miko are the three guys that, that are gone that, that you need to replace, well, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to watch. <laughs> right.
2: I guess the consolation is they generally did okay in that situation. Yeah. Maybe not quite that dire, but they survived. And, and everyone was than... going in
1: and out of stuff. Like, you know, Landy was Terrible for most of the season and the last month he was fantastic and Mac was fantastic until about the last three weeks um and so you know it's like how do you take that into account you know it's like Joe's got really hot in the last couple of weeks going you know be- before everything shut down um you know comfort obviously I mean comfort was the number one center for the last game
2: who uh. <laughs> yeah <that's... laughs> I've, I've so, forgotten about that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Joost and Comfer were the number one and two centers for, for the, that last game against the Rangers. Um, So it's, you know, sort of how, how you evaluate what to do with this team. It, it, it's really going to be interesting to see how the, the staff tackles that.
2: Sure. I mean, just just seeing who are the two scratches or – is going to be interesting, and
1: you know, be hilarious if it, if one of them was Nieto since he's the only forward that played every game. <laughs>
2: that would be my <laughs> guess. I still don't believe they're willing to scratch Joe, especially how he ended. Right. And uh, Willie, I think even if he's cleared, I I think Bednar's not going to want to go there. Right. And um, so I think Nieto and Wilson, and obviously Kamenev, would be the three sitting. If yeah, that, everyone's available to them,
1: that that's sort of that that's sort of how I looked at it. Um, is is those guys are the the ones that are they're sort of bubble guys or you know perhaps in jeopardy. Um, and it, it makes for an interesting lineup because you you look at it and you're like you know look it Belmar, Calvert, and Nachushkin are your fourth line again and like how awesome is that. Um, <laughs> so uh, it should be very exciting for abs fans. And this is what the caveat that no one gets injured or, or anything virus related during camp or anything like that. But still, I mean, you know, this is an extremely powerful team when it's fully healthy and we rarely got to see it.
2: And the the other side of that is that every other team will be healthy, but it- yeah, it's like. But St. I, th- I think, think when every
1: team is healthy, the Avs still are...
2: Yeah, no, sure, I, I agree with that too, that they should have the most firepower even against everyone else's strength.
0: Yeah, there were a lot of teams that are really benefiting from getting injured players back, but when it comes to the caliber of those injured players, I, it's really hard to, to pick a team that benefits more than this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, imagine Miko skating like he doesn't have a broken ankle and a I, broken shoulder, you know?
2: I think more than just being healthy, he needed time, too, and that's that's going to help him. Or guys like Ian Cole, like he even said, he, he never really got any sort of workout period last year recovering from his hip surgery. So this this was like his offseason. Right. So thing, things like that could be a help. Especially for those guys that never really had the time to build their bodies back up.
1: Yeah, so it's you know they, they could be really scary. I mean, uh, we have, we haven't really mentioned if there's an asterisk attached to this year. I think there will be just because it's weird. I don't know if it's going to be the kind of asterisk that you know makes it lesser in people's eyes or not.
0: Yeah, hold off on that.
1: Yeah. Okay. But it, we got to talk about it,
0: it. It's going to be phase weird. Four it, first.
2: Well, there's one yeah. other thing I wanted to bring up about the roster, but that is a good good topic. Um, just that beyond the obvious, there there's always gonna be the questions of who are the more black ace type people and there's two ways they can approach that is with the the AHL type guys like Tynan and McDonald. Or is this an opportunity to bring in some of the younger guys like Timmins, Byram, Cout, Bowers? And I think they should, because I think this experience will mean a lot for them, even if they don't end up playing. I think it beats having six months of just working out on your own, and what could even be limited. And I think if they do get to a point where they need someone to come off the, the proverbial bench... It should be these guys. You're trying to win a cup. How far into the playoffs are you going to be at that point? Like, Do you really just want to say, hey, it's not a big deal if Tynan plays six minutes, puts up about a 40% course C4, and doesn't score any points, and you're okay with that? No, like, you need to play talent at that point, and I think that should be available to them.
0: Yeah, let's not get yeah, too far a- into the weeds with this. Um, I definitely agree that this is a really unique um, opportunity. For for players like Martin Couch, Shane Bowers, Bowen Byram, um, for for players of that ilk, but I'm gonna go ahead and break everybody's heart and say it's not gonna happen. Um, this team, yeah. has, this team has never done anything like that. Um, but well, the Couch situation really is the
1: most fr- <clears throat> The the Couch situation is the most frustrating thing for me because. They are taking an administrative rule and using it to not put their best team out there. And I've, I've said this before, and, and we've talked it to death, but it it would be very frustrating for me to see them need a guy and have one available that uh, the coaching staff trusted and, and did well during the season, and, and they just weren't able to use it because they they wouldn't allow themselves to, to do that.
0: And this is yeah, why that... I don't want to get too far into the weeds. I just want yeah. to mention yeah. that even the developmental argument, doesn't exist here because there is no reason for the AHL to operate without fans in the arena. Yeah. That's just a money pit.
2: Yeah, and we'll count, prove that he could contribute. It's not just like hopes and dreams. And, you know, Byram, I have a hard time seeing if they're not willing to include him in this process, that they're going to pencil him in for opening night next year so but at least with the roster size of 28 plus goalies you can have a mix you you could have those for safe ahl mainstays and also sprinkle in some youth so it would be interesting to see they pick it'd be nice if they actually have to announce a roster because if it was up to the abs they would they just wouldn't. pretty much say whoever you see <laughs>
0: on the ice is whoever's here and yeah. who- we won't Here's our team. tell you the rest. <laughs> yeah, it'll be up to the media who's at practices to see who's on the ice, except, oh, the media's not allowed. Nope. So, phase four is the part that everyone cares about, and that's the games. Each team can take 50 personnel, as we mentioned a little bit ago, and just kind of from the conversation that I've seen a half a dozen times, that really does seem to be about the right number when it comes down to your roster of 28-plus goalies and then your coaching staff and then, like... Maybe, like, a front office person or two. I don't know why they would need to be there, but, it that, you know, some teams are going to bring a GM. Um, and it, the conversation is still up in the air when it comes to friends and family and significant others and all that. Um, we don't know when this will happen. Frankly, we don't know if this will happen. But if it does, we're looking at two hub cities chosen from the following. Chicago, Columbus, Dallas... Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis-St. Paul, although maybe less so after what's going on there now, Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. Toronto, and Vancouver. A lot of people who are more in tune than me have already explained why Vegas is an easy and obvious choice between rink availability and a sheer number of hotels that are sitting empty. What about the others?
2: Uh, I think from what I hear two on the short list are Edmonton and Columbus, and Edmonton, I believe, has the newest arena. They, they have incredible facilities. They have, I think, three additional ice sheets that are attached or contained within their arena. I think they have an attached hotel. I mean, just basically anything you can think of, they built into this facility that they could pretty much entirely secure. And they said that... And uh, the, the local authorities are really the albert those in alberta are very motivated to to be selected as a hub so they've been willing to do things like give the players a secured golf course uh use their giant screens outside as sort of a movie or an outdoor make for them a secure sort of outdoor play area they'll probably bring in pool tables and things like that so they're also they um case rate has been very, very low through this, so if they can get over that hurdle of the whole 14-day quarantine, either come to an agreement or whatever, I think they will choose Edmonton because it gives them everything that they need. Um, Columbus, it does seem like an odder choice just because it's not I guess what you think of as an important hockey market, but I guess from what I understand... the Hey, I like, it's not I like, like there are going to, to be it. any
1: fans there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's the thing, yeah.
2: I'm just saying because people wouldn't think that they're on the top of the list. I don't think anybody really considers it. But from what I understand, their facilities are very set up for it. They have a very nice arena. They have um, multiple ice sheets. I think they also could use multiple local sheets, like at Ohio State University. And they could also secure a hotel that's a five-minute walk away. and um, they they want to do an East and a West because uh, for TV purposes so they can have earlier games from their Eastern hub. I would look for those two and then Vegas either seems like a fallback which they know that they could use quickly or Vegas could host the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals if they want to do it in another location but there's also on the table that by that time maybe each team that is in the finals they could do it in their home markets but you know we'll see about that
0: probably still with empty arenas but in their home markets um one thing that is is also important about the east and west argument it's not just tv it's also the argument that you really don't want anybody playing in their home arena just because no there's not fans there but just the familiarity of the facility and being close to home and all of that is a definite home ice advantage that we would probably see. So if, if you were going to do like Edmonton and Columbus, you'd probably have the East in Edmonton and the West in Columbus.
2: It would be interesting to see if they would swap it like that.
0: Um, I would think LA is also another
2: possible choice because uh, they can secure that area around the Staples center. They're used to doing it for their other high profile things, even though I don't know about having it in California. I don't think they could secure the whole bubble around them as much as they could in say like Edmonton and also the dollar's cheaper in Edmonton in Canada. So that's another reason they want to use a Canadian hub.
0: I think LA is a little bit too spread out for for this. Yeah. Too. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have a response for this too, but I want y'all to go first. Um, why does it matter that Edmonton wants to pull out all these entertainment stops that aren't hockey related?
2: Because for comfort for the players. I mean, they, they, I think the players are very apprehensive about being locked up or locked away or if if they're away from their families. I think they're scared about just having to sit in their hotel room for several months. So I think it's to, to show, to to show them that they're not going to be in, in hockey prison, that, and if you can offer them these things then maybe they don't go out and seek it themselves, or I just think it's, it would be better all around for everybody to be able to create an environment for them that could, that has the best chance of working for different reasons.
1: I'm not too sure about why they do it, but I mean, that makes sense. Um, I mean, if you think about it, if they only spend about 10 days there for training camp and the first series are only going to be five game series, so they could be over easily within a week or 10 days. So, you know, a third of the guys are only going to be there for three weeks and another third are only going to be there for five weeks or less. I mean, that, you know, five weeks. Yeah, that's a long time, but we've all been sitting in our houses for for several months now. Um I don't know. They, I I think they're good cases for all of them. I, I like the the fact that Vegas you could basically put everybody in the same hotel. Um, the hotels that are that large, and that would be really easy to sequester. And and also, you know, that they, they could do some of the same things Edmonton's talking about as far as entertainment um, on site. Yeah, yeah, I've
2: heard I've heard that Vegas is willing to give either the NBA or. The- an entire casino resort which means right. pools, the spa nightclubs bars restaurants and, it's and that, all-
1: that would be the easiest as far as logistically to do it because it's basically you know you, you probably building. make it, <laughs> right and it's like you you probably have you know one entrance in for food and and whatever else they need and and it'd be very easy to monitor you know what's coming in or out um, and and Edmonton may be the same way. Um, I'm just I'm not as familiar with with how their new facility is, but you know, if you can set up a situation like that, whether it's Vegas or uh, Edmonton or or even Columbus, um, it, that checks a lot of boxes for what they kind of need to do to do this correctly.
0: yeah it, it, if you take the west versus east standpoint out of it, I think the obvious choices just from what we've heard so far would be, Vegas, and Edmonton, just because of the things that y'all just said. Uh, one one quote that came out from, from John Tavares, because of course you have to ask Leafs players these things, um, Sure, was, like, I mean, you can't expect hockey players to just, you know, either go play hockey or basically go sit in hockey prison. They're going to go out and do things. And so, at, at a venue like Edmonton, like what Edmonton is talking about using theirs for, or what already exists in Vegas for that purpose, is really important just so that they don't go out and go out in the community and pick up a virus and shut down the whole hub. Right. Because, as we keep having to remind young people are aren't it's extremely at risk with this, it's not about you. So in the West, as we turn to the actual games getting played, uh, Colorado are a top four seeded team, thank you very much along with st louis dallas and vegas i'm gonna ask y'all how you think it will shake out but i'm gonna start that conversation with my (coughs) cop-out answer nobody knows anything (laughs) we're talking months since the last time these teams played competitive hockey with three best of ones that only determine seeding. so yeah they're meaningful but are they really i honestly think anything can happen and whatever does happen might not even be meaningful so an zero three four seed could win the Stanley Cup, no sweat. Your take? Yeah, I think that
1: I think what we're gonna see with the round robin is you don't really know where you want to finish. <laughs> um, it and, might and,
2: depend and, if they agree on the reseeding or not. If
1: even so, um, because you'll have to do that before the play-in starts.
2: Well, of course, but at least um, you would know that if you earned the one seed that you will get who, whoever the upset is or the lowest upset.
1: Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I just I, I mean, I think Steph's right. I think you you don't know much about how these matchups are going to work. Um, you know, I, I think you can, any... take some, you can take some good guesses on, on sort of over the season how these teams performed and you know, j- just with a little insight with You know, with the avalanche, like, oh, if you know, if Miko's back, like, full time, wow, that's pretty big, and all that. Um. So, but, but I I do think it's going to be so random that I I don't think what's going to be determined in the round robin is going to be all that important as far as winning it.
0: I don't think you're even seeing 100% hockey in the round robin. I think you see 90, maybe 95. Oh.
1: That that's that's gonna be high, yeah.
0: But I but I don't think you see a hundred percent hockey in the round robin, because if, no. if you go zero and oh well, you still are a home ice advantage team if if home ice means anything. But like, you know what I mean? Like you're still in a, a a top four seed. It's not like what we're about to talk about in a minute, where if teams lose two, they're done. Yeah. But it's it's really interesting to even try to handicap this if you could, because like you've got Vegas who Colorado gave fits to, and then you've got St. Louis, who historically have always given Colorado fits and Dallas, who beat Colorado four times this year.
1: Yeah. Um. And if they that that's the you know that's why you might not I don't know you might not hate the bracket thing if you're the Avs and they end up losing all three games because I mean I could see Chicago beating Edmonton easily, and if that's your first round matchup. That's probably your best, you know, there's no best case, there's no better case on paper. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's so random that you don't really know who you want to play because even the seeds that are in the playing rounds are, you know, they're sort of specious. I was
0: kind of expecting to get some input from-, from Jackie here to the point that I'm wondering if she's disappeared. I
1: disappeared for a while, but you guys didn't notice.
2: (laughs) Okay,
0: I'm back. Okay, cool. (laughs) Did you miss like
2: that whole thing that I said? Yeah, I didn't hear shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll make it shorter. It was about talking about is there an advantage to being a like what do you think about the seating? Right, that was the question.
0: Does the seating matter? That that's the question because you kind of still broke up a little bit. Um. It, it depends on if they will recede the play-in games.
2: Okay. Yes. Yeah, so,
0: I. But it's only okay.
1: about matchups. It's as far as like there's no home ice advantage. I don't think. Right. Yeah. But when they uh, Darren Dreger talked to McKinnon this week about that, and Mac was basically like, "Yeah, I mean home ice is nice, I guess. I don't know you get the last change, and that's important for matchups, but basically." You know, whatever happens, happens. It's not really going to make a difference to us.
0: Does that matter for a team that line matches basically none?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, it may line uh, match Zadoroff versus McDavid, and then otherwise it's just like, all right, best versus best. I don't care, bring it.
1: Um. Yeah, it- I mean, I think if, if your team like St. Louis, and, and Berube really likes to line match a lot, um, you know, I think it would mean more to them than it would to the Avs. Um, if you you know if you're a team that that really does rely on line matching, then you know it it does become somewhat important. I, I think Dallas is sort of like that too. Um, I, I think for Vegas and the Avs, it's probably not as important.
2: Okay. I think when you get everyone together, you get the top four teams together. The competitiveness will be there because even if you can't like knock each other out, I think I think there's going to be motivation where you're going to want to play well and beat these teams that you presumably will see later on in the playoffs. So yeah. I don't think it will be like straight up just an exhibition game. I, th- I think there will be some at least intent when they play these teams. So I th- I think the league came up with a good enough compromise to at least, Get, uh, guarantee these teams in the playoffs but also give them something to play towards
0: yeah, yeah. totally and it's it's kind of like one of those things where if you're going to be letting in more than 16 teams which you kind of have to because you didn't play an 82 game season and then right to make it actually balance out you have to make it 12 per side which means you have to take the chicago and the montreal that everyone wants to scream about Like like some of it's totally financial and and I get that, but also some of it is like you didn't finish the season.
2: Yeah, like what I've probably cut it off to twenty, probably, but for the reasons you just said, I'm I don't think it's a large complaint because you are letting in a certain number of teams that would have had a chance and et cetera, et cetera. So it it's good a good matter.
0: It it's definitely a good middle ground, and it also like it got rid of the bogus. Like, there's no Detroit's here, there's no L.A. Kings here. Like, it, we've, we've gotten definitely rid no of, Buffalo. Definitely no Buffalo. <laughs> we, we, we've gotten rid of the horseshit, and and gotten it down to teams that you know maybe they're disappointing, like Chicago and, and the Habs, but they still you know had a chance halfway through the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know 500 doesn't mean anything, but all these teams are above 500 or at 500.
2: I'm glad that they cut off the regular season. I To me, that would have been absurd to try to oh, yeah. finish and and call this thing a regular season. To me, it's fine that a certain set of circumstances was, was cut off
0: at a certain date, and now we're going to
2: move forward with this set of circumstances, which should be different.
0: My only complaint is I wish they would call these round robin and play-in games regular season games because these are games to set up how the playoffs work and the point of the regular season is to set up how the playoffs work. Like, I think these should be called regular season games and not this weird kind of limbo. They're neither playoffs nor regular season games, which makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah, that is weird.
2: I wouldn't wouldn't want to add it to those stats. I mean, to me, it's absurd to just keep counting. Like, it's any sort of similar circumstance. So, I think it is just, when you're going to look at the stats, I think it should just be a its own line and just call it play-in because it, it's not regular season, it's not playoffs, it's just going to be a thing, just a, something that will never happen again, hopefully, And because you need to keep these statistics, but I just don't think you can add it to anything else because it is unlike anything else.
1: So what happens when Mac would have hit a hundred points after this round robin? He would have hit a hundred points in the regular season. You know, how, well, how could he feel about that?
2: I think it's silly. <laughs>
1: Almost <laughs> again.
2: <laughs> it's the same thing like the playoff statistics. Yes. Yeah. Like it's it's funny that those are that are they're put in their own bins so much that you don't even look at like as as far as games played. Like a guy only hits X number of games played in a regular season, it just completely discounts. He might have played a hundred games in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. No, and I found that it was difficult to compare across teams just when I was looking at various statistics uh, because you're looking at some teams that played 68 games, some teams played 71 games, and you know it's not a huge difference, but it's enough to skew. Um, Statistics that you're you know reading out to hundreds of a place yeah, well that's why um, that we're
0: doing points percentage, so anything yeah. else is just like when you're looking at hundreds place, you're looking at negligible differences anyway when it comes to some of these stats and these rate stats and stuff, yeah, so um but the but the the main reason that I would count these as regular season games is to me, this is what they're replacing the end of the regular season with yeah. So, I, I see them as regular season games, and that's basically the reason why. Because it's either that, or you call this the zeroth round of the playoffs. I don't think it makes any because you've got knockout rounds. You could call it playoffs very easily. So, but I mean, there's also definitely a reason why they've chosen not to use to label. I just disagree with it. Um... The play-in rounds are sudden death, so the teams are more likely uh, to be as close to 100 percent as they could possibly be, given that they haven't played any meaningful hockey since uh, March. Uh, I'll tell you all all the series, and you can talk about which ones are interesting to you. Um, Edmonton versus Chicago, Nashville versus Arizona, Vancouver. Not interesting. Yeah, not remotely. Vancouver <laughs> versus Minnesota, <laughs> Calgary versus Winnipeg, out west.
2: To me, the interesting part about that is it's a Pacific versus a Central in all four matchups. Yeah, Hmm. which is what you wouldn't see in the the quote unquote regular playoffs.
1: Because yeah, how funny would it be if there's one Pacific team left at the end of round zero? Right, and and it's
0: it's Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) That mean that could realistically happen. I mean, I don't. I think you you would. Probably put your money on Vancouver over Minnesota, but that could still realistically happen. And same for Calgary. Yeah, it's not saying that there's sure bets or anything.
2: I feel like Nashville has the best chance to beat Arizona, but the others you could make a well. I you could see anyone win at, after this point. Like you said, nobody knows anything at this point. all these teams are gonna are gonna look like, but. I think for Edmonton, the worst draw for them is Chicago, because...
1: It <laughs> sure is. <That's> funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because if there's anybody that, that could feast off of no defense, all offense, yeah. it's those two teams, and just, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, Edmonton needs lots of penalties to be successful, and that's something you generally don't see in the playoffs, but, you know, are they going to call this play-in round, as tight as they usually do the playoffs, you know, that's, you know, that's something we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, that's a bad matchup for them. Um, I think that's going to be a pretty good series. Out of, out of the four in the West, um, I, I'd like to see Vancouver beat Minnesota pretty handily, and, and that's something that, you know in essence, I kind of want to watch, but that would require watching Minnesota, which I don't want to do. So...
2: But that's the one that sets up if they keep the bracket as the Avs opponent would be the Vancouver. Minnesota. If they
1: stay, yeah. If if the Avs stay second, that's that's the second seed matchup.
0: And if they don't reseed,
1: right?
2: Yeah. So that's probably one we are going to have to keep a closer eye on, unless we know that it's not going to be that relevant
0: we, we don't know which way it's, if they're going to res i mean even if they don't recede, we don't know where yeah. the outs are going to finish in their round robin so all of these could right. be relevant i think i think the True. most interesting to me is calgary and winnipeg um just because yeah. both teams were so disappointing in their own ways that it'll be really interesting to see how they come out of this absolute nothing period and and play hockey for sure yeah. that one does
2: feel like a pretty big coin flip
1: it does. Well, it, to me, it's basically Calgary needs Hellebuck to get injured either before the series starts or, or right away.
0: Well, there's what's interesting about it because goaltending is so like momentum based that if, if you take yeah. Hellebuck off the ice for four or five months, does he come back? Right. Is he going to be the
1: same guy? He, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> is, he, is he still going to come back and be Dominic Kosciak, or he's gonna, is he going to come back and be mm, Connor Hellebuck?
1: Right. Um, and. Winnipeg's not a very good shooting team, um, d- despite what you might think, with with who they have on their team. Um, but the the Flames have poor goaltending, so and right. it, uh, it, it's, it's up in the air whether you know which goalie they use even. So,
0: a stoppable force versus for a movable object. There. Yeah. <laughs> so it's
1: just <laughs> it, that that could be a series that's so bad it's good kind of thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean I, I think that Vancouver and Minnesota is gonna run into kind of the same issues that you'll see in Edmonton and Chicago where Vancouver wants to run and gun and dine out on the power play and Minnesota's just not gonna take penalties because it's the non-playoffs. Right. Like you can see that same dynamic there. And then like we said, definitely. Nashville versus Arizona is poop. Who cares?
1: Yeah, that's gonna be that's definitely the must not watch series.
0: In the east, it's Pittsburgh versus Montreal, Carolina versus the Rangers. The Islanders versus Florida and Toronto versus Columbus.
1: See, I think we have two really good series here. Uh, I think Carolina and the Rangers is going to be really good, and I hate the Rangers, so I hope they lose really bad. But um, the Rangers were so hot towards the end of the season, and Carolina had Dougie Hamilton out and some other injuries that that kind of you know clouded what they were capable of. So, um that i think i think carolina should win that one um but it, it again we don't know what's going to happen so it it could it could be very interesting and the other one i really like is of course toronto versus columbus um because that's two teams that can be just really awful to watch um when they're not playing well and it just the, the history of toronto if they got if they got eliminated in a play in round like that it, it could be, it could be dire.
0: Oh, if if With Toronto loses, in
2: round,
0: <laughs> if Tur- if Toronto loses in round zero, then that will delegitimize <laughs> the entire playoff for half of the hockey world.
1: Yeah, I mean, what if it was four one going into the third period of game five and they lose? You know?
0: <laughs> but, but also, just just from a, a team standpoint, that series is fascinating to me because you could not yeah. design two different teams. Than the right. grindy, heavily coached Columbus Blue Jackets versus the we just go faster than you and score more goals than you Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Right, and Columbus is a terrible shooting team against a terrible goaltending team in in Toronto, and it it just it, the one thing that could make that could give Columbus a good edge they don't have. <clears throat> but. Um, I, I do think that one will be really good to watch as well. Um, I, I wouldn't watch the Islanders versus Florida on a bet. I, that, I think that might be worse than watching Arizona and Nashville. Um, I think
2: most I, of these matchups are cross-division
0: as well. So Yeah, I don't know the division's well enough I, to say. Yeah, I think Carolina, Carolina, after... and, Carolina and the Rangers aren't, but the, I think the others are. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: these are also matchups that you don't, you're not going to typically see. So, another
1: interesting thing I saw was that other than Pittsburgh and Montreal, the other three series, the lower seeded team had a better record in regulation.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I did not know. That's pretty funny. Good standing system. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: I hate so the, the Islanders, but I don't know why everybody thinks they're going to lose to Florida. I I don't know about that one. I hate to watch
0: the Islanders. They're just... Ugh. They are. Just,
1: Florida's a good shooting team, and you know the Islanders, they don't give up a lot of shots, but when they do, um, you know their goaltending's been a little iffy. We, we know Semyon Varlamov well enough in the playoffs that, that that's always an adventure.
0: Watching the Islanders is like watching a tank that's treads are all rusted out and just driving <laughs> through an empty field with no battle around it. Like, why? <laughs> doing that? Yeah.
1: And... But I, you know, I, I have interest in the Montreal-Pittsburgh series just because I like Montreal, and I, I, I think that's going to be closer than a lot of people think.
2: Especially if Carey Price is on it. But you could say that about every team. If your goalie's on it, it could be very plausible to win a five game series I guess for me I'm looking forward to seeing teams that haven't been part of the playoffs all that often such as Arizona and Florida just because those teams really haven't had that chance so you do you do kind of are glad for teams like that not like Chicago as a low seed because they've had success before but you want to see like these true underdogs like if a team like Florida went and won the cup After being like a ten seed or something, that's that'd
0: be hilarious. That would
2: be quite a story. But right, (laughs) (laughs) um, as far as the matchups in particular, I think another reason why Carolina Rangers is interesting. I believe the Rangers have Carolina's pick.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, they do from Brady Shea.
0: So, (laughs) so yeah, we'll we'll get to the to the drafts draft lottery positioning really quickly. Um, but just to kind of transition into our our next little segment here, I, as much as I'm interested in watching Toronto versus Columbus, I think the most interesting from a this whole system theory perspective is Pittsburgh versus Montreal because how plausible is it that Carey Price just becomes Carey Price and wins two games, and then all you got to do is yeah. win one out of three?
1: Easily, and Pittsburgh's got horrible goaltending, and the Habs shoot a lot. they might not shoot that well um, but they they generate just they, they generate as many shots as anyone in the league. They're right up there with Vegas
0: so, now you've got so Pittsburgh, who's won a million cups recently, they've been very good. they finished the season fifth in their conference, and they end up not making the playoffs because they get goalied twice in like September.
2: <laughs> I think that the teams that have the, the legitimate argument about the format are the ones that would have been in a, a divisional slot, such as Pittsburgh or Edmonton, because you could say the ones that were in a wildcard spot, they didn't have a firm stranglehold on that position. But the ones that were in a division spot, thats those are the ones that hurt where it's like, okay, well, you didn't really make the real playoffs, so good luck, you're going to have to win round zero. So, yeah, and
1: that was Carolina's was that? rationale for voting against this system. Right, and I, you know, I can totally see it because their their chances of uh, having a productive playoffs went down by a ton.
0: Yes, and I, that's why it's interesting that they had because they're. It's very easy to logically defend their vote against Tampa's is kind of weird. Sure.
2: Yeah, I agree that Tampa's was just because they they want to play meaningful games. Well, the way to, to truly play a meaningful game is to be up for elimination. So, it's almost like they were <laughs> voting against having a play round at all, which sure in yeah. a perfect world you would prefer that, but that was just never going to happen. Yeah, probably that, not.
0: You you can't take away half of the league like with 20 of their most lucrative games. Right. And
2: then and then I don't I don't think any team wanted to straight up buy. I don't think any of the top teams was arguing that they would prefer just a bye. No, not at all. And
1: Max said that. He he said he didn't like the idea. I mean, you know, he said he wasn't real sure about how competitive the round robin would be, but that not playing at all, getting a bye, and then playing a team that had just come off of an elimination series was, was not what he wanted to see at all.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that sentiment was shared with a lot of the players. So I agree. There no was, Definitely a little bit more curious than Caroline is, who I could see is a little bit more upset about this. And when we get to the, the lottery question, I do have a comment about Montreal. But
0: So with that in mind, uh, let's warm up <laughs> the takes a little bit. The Stanley Cup, assuming it's eventually awarded, how big is the asterisk?
1: I, I mean, I think there's going to be one, like I said, just because it's obviously weird and we had a long shutdown in the middle of the season. I mean. Um, I, I know baseball has continued through a season where they've had labor uh, strikes and and lockouts and stuff like that, but nothing is anywhere near as long as what we're we're going through now. So I I, I think that does give it an asterisk, just because it's just it's a season like no other. It's unique. Um, whether it's any less of accomplishment than winning in a quote unquote normal season, um, you know I don't I don't think so. I mean I, I it's gonna take. I mean, we hope it's going to take uh, the requisite 16 wins, plus whatever teams have to do in the in the plan and the in the round robin to to win the cup. Um, you know, if they make the first two series get best of five, that's a definite asterisk in my book. Absolutely. Um, but if but if they do keep it the the 16 wins get you the cup, then um, you know you could argue it's harder to win this cup than than any other. So. Um, Yeah,
2: for that reason, I hope they're all seven-game series. But the interesting thing is it seems the players want the five-game series in rounds one and two, which is interesting. I don't think
1: the players remember when we had five-game series in in the first round (laughs) because it was awful.
0: (laughs) Extremely true.
2: So they're the ones that would ultimately have to live with it. And I know they want to cut down on the time and yada yada, but I don't know. I don't think two more games is an exponential amount of more time. So, well, and and the thing, all
1: right, there are no scheduling conflicts here. I mean, they can play these games, bam, 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 one after the other. I mean, it's like they can play these games quicker than the guys can recover from them. So, I I don't think uh, things like we normally see, like the ABS dealing with scheduling along with the Nuggets and and other things that are going along going on at the Pepsi Center. I don't think that. You know, I, I, I think what they're going to have is, is as much hockey as they can handle, rapid fire. Because I do think the the league wants to wrap this up quickly as well. I don't think they want to string this out. So I, I don't sure, think we're going to get a lot of three and five day breaks. I don't think there's going to be a large break between series or anything like that. So, um,
2: well, no travel certainly helps that too. Especially
0: yeah. like these first few rounds, it should be half the teams play today, the other half play tomorrow until until they're over. Right, for sure, and the league is. There's even no said, reason not
1: to have day games or anything like that too. Right. I mean, I think they should have four games per day.
2: Yeah,
0: do it. Let's go.
2: The league even said that they might do a back-to-back per team per round, something like that. They're willing to do that. So, yeah, I would like to see them keep it to the to the all sevens because then at that point you can argue that the game from a game standpoint it's not any different than normal and it could yeah. even be more difficult. Right. But if if they do have those five game series in there, would it be an asterisk? I would say no, just because I think we're a lot closer to it nobody wants a a, a turn like a tournament type thing that cheapens it. I don't think we're in the territory of cheaping it. You could argue that it's a lot different, but the ultimate point of going through all these teams and achieving a championship, I think will remain the same. And of course it depends who wins it too. Like Tampa goes out and wins. Is anyone really going to say, well, they didn't really deserve it. Something like that. I think, I think the asterisk will come up more if it's say like Chicago or something. And then maybe people are more willing to complain about that.
0: This is a an argument that I've really been gravitating to in the last couple of weeks myself. Um is because like the the asterisk on the shortened season doesn't really exist because the best team in the regular season by far won the cup. Like, yeah. That could, which, Chicago was right, dominant no, and then they won the cup. Like everyone's like, "Oh, okay. I <laughs> guess that was yeah, yeah. That or, makes sense."
2: Or is it because it was one of several that they won? So you could say they won it under a Different circumstances; they wanted under normal circumstances. So, then nobody really complains about it. Yeah, maybe if it had too. just been been a one off, maybe you could argue that it benefited this team more. Blah blah blah.
1: Right. I mean, it's like the the Hurricanes Stanley Cup win on the first season after the the year off. Um, that's you know that that's got a hidden asterisk next next to it, just because that was a really weird season, and you know the, it's the Canes weren't that great of a team um if it ends up being something like the hurricanes in, in 06 then you know it'll be debated for years um and that's just something we'll all have to live with but
0: i guess to I, me it's i, I like, do
1: think if they if they keep it 16 wins i don't think you can argue with it
0: i
2: think to me it's if you're going out and you're winning it like if it's handed to you if, if they had just declared so-and-so won the cup because they had the best record to me, that's super cheap.
0: That that's yeah, the Stanley Cup. That. That's handing out the president's trophy,
2: right? Yeah. So, yeah. to me, I think if you have guys playing, it's a game. It's a real competition. You're, you're winning something, and how can you take the ultimate thing? Is how can you take away that win from a team that went out and and played a game and won it? So,
1: and, and I'm here's right, the there is one situation that I think could, could affect it. And that's if a team gets a walkover because of uh, another team comes down with the virus on Moss or something like that.
0: I mean, they um, keep saying that one positive case isn't going to shut down the whole operation, which I think, well, is, I mean, like, what if five guys hilarious. get it? Yeah. Cause, cause I you're mean, not going you know, to have they... one case. That's why it's hilarious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: right. It's, you know, I wonder about that. It, it, I mean, God forbid that's the finals. What if, you know, what if the Avs are up 3-1 on Boston and Boston comes down with seven cases and they basically, I mean, what do you do? So for I guess one, you can wait.
0: you're wait. you going to have, you know, this argument that who knows how long they've had it because it's hockey players that like to try to cover up punctured lungs. For another, you're going to have the conspiracy contingent that are saying they're just saying they've got the coronavirus because they're about to lose the series. Like that would be chaos.
1: Yeah. And I guess in the finals, you could wait until everyone's better. Um, But, you know, what if it's what if it's, you know, round two or something like that? Um, And then someone ends up getting a walkover and then goes on to win the cup. You know, that's an asterisk. Um, So it's, you know, there's potential for some shenanigans, but I, I, I really I don't see that being the case. Um, I, I think they're really going to try to make this as realistic as possible.
0: And then I think the biggest asterisk situation of all that hasn't been mentioned yet is if Dallas wins the cup, because fuck that team.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: I don't know if that's my worst case scenario. We'll see. Arizona? Probably Minnesota, right? Oh, God.
1: How bad would that be? Yeah, (laughs) Minnesota wins the cup. There's like 15 asterisks. (laughs) We've
0: already already covered that one because you're garbage. We've already already covered the poop team wins the cup asterisk. (laughs) So, um, and of course, the worst scenario of all is that everything gets worse and none of this can happen. So a little bit of perspective just to kind of wind things down as we get into the draft lottery, which is, of course, the thing that matters most. because they've also for some reason fucked with the draft lottery and I would honestly like someone who isn't me to explain it not not because it's complicated but because this is not my lane. Okay,
2: I'll give it a shot. So so basically there's the seven teams that are out that are will not be continuing on and they they want to have the lottery one thing to have an event before all this hockey starts but also to give that team and those fans something because they're looking at not playing for perhaps a very long time so anyway so you have the seven that aren't going to play and then you have the eight losers of the play-in rounds but since they're going to have the lottery before they do the play-ins they don't know who the losers are so basically they're going to be placeholders named teams a through h in the actual lottery and one thing that certain teams were very, very adamant about was they wanted to keep the odds the exact same they were when the season started. So, whatever is Detroit has 18%, and so on and so forth. So, when she gets 8 through 15, these teams that are labeled A through H have the same percent chance to win the lottery that they would have if they had been teams that didn't make the playoffs. So, They're going to have the same three lottery draws like we're used to. A draw for one, two, and three. So it is possible that one of these unnamed teams is going to win a lottery draw. I'd even say it's probable because it's basically happened the last five years that one of these teams has won either two or three. So if that happens and, say, Team B wins one of those lottery slots, then they will have a second lottery draw. After the play-in round. So they'll know who the eight losers are. And so. If they. They're going to need to name. Who is going to have let's say the second overall pick. So all the losers. Go into a lottery draw. And they will have the same odds. So. it So their points percentage. For the regular season. Or their odds when they were originally. In the first lottery. Don't count. So it's like 12.5%. And then they will draw. From those eight who will take the vacated spot. Now, there could even be multiple draws. So, if they need to do that, then they will do another draw to fill, say, third overall. And then after that, then they will fill, I presumably, all the spots with regular season points percentage, which we are accustomed to. Now, what they haven't said is what they're going to do at the end of the the first round, which is what which would impact the ABS, I would assume that they're still going to put the final four at the end, like they always would. And, and then, so that could push the ABS back. I think right now, if you just go points percentage, the ABS are going to pick like 29th. So anything that would move the ABS back would be beneficial, but that's what they've decided with the draft lottery. They really explained the first half. The second half is a bit more speculation, but We'll see how it goes. So the lottery is going to be on June 26th. So we'll know who, how those first seven slot and who wins one, two, and three. It could be a blank team though.
1: I hate it. Um, And you, you gave me a reason to not hate it as much. So, so thanks for that. And that's (laughs) that um the they wanted to do the lottery so that the seven teams that aren't involved their their fans have something to uh, you know keep them interested a little bit um and that's only a small thing so it it doesn't make me hate it that much less but it, it does justify it in in some small way
2: well i wanted them to have a june draft i think the reasons to have it in June benefited the actual reason why you have a draft, which is to draft prospects and players and not any of these ancillary other reasons why people think the draft is important. So if this is sort of like, this is what you, you made your bed and now you're going to lie in it because these teams complained about that. So this is what you're going to get. So they insisted the odds had to be the exact same. So if you insist the odds are the same, this is what you kind of ended up with. The other hilarious thing was Montreal, who they complained they didn't want to have a June draft because they had 14 draft picks and they wanted to use those picks to some of those picks to get actual players. Not that you couldn't, you know, just use your prospect capital and do the same thing. But okay, so that's the reason why... We couldn't have the draft. Well, what they did now, since they're in the play-in, they were giving up a guaranteed top eight pick. So, when they realized that, they complained about that. Well, you made your <laughs> bed, now you're going to lie in <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> um, it's a mess. The, the, main, the main thing for me as far as having a June draft was the, one of the situations, I think it's with the Vancouver uh, scouting director um his contract is up at the end of june and, and and they're having irreconcilable differences and and he won't be around for their draft now they i've heard that they're not going to allow people in in his situation to go work for other teams until the draft is over um that's going to be really hard to regulate you know if someone is not working for any team you know what what are you going to do is like put a bug on their phone or something like that i mean you know it's if this dude goes and starts working for, I don't know, Calgary, <clears throat> um, there, there's really not much to, to prevent him from cluing them in into their draft strategy and, and you know, giving Calgary a big advantage over them. How much an advantage that is, I don't know, but um, you know, it's just it's something that that we have to deal with because of the messed up schedule.
2: I also think it's a disaster that you're going to have players presumably start the next seasons and they haven't even been drafted or some can play in certain countries and some, some aren't going to be able to play. You're going to have a whole bunch of North Americans try to go, and go to Europe. If you can play there, you're going to have no direction from your NHL club because you don't have one. You're going to be working out somewhere without direction from your NHL club. Like Six months at that age is a big deal.
1: So, it is, but it, I mean, everyone their age is going to have the same problem.
2: Sure, but you're delaying someone's development just so people can make a f- trade for a fifth round pick the day of the draft. I th- I think it's completely backwards and it's messed up. But I, I mean, this is where it would have been
1: it would have been difficult for them. I, I know there it would have been probably 100 percent virtual, but. It, I, I still think I, it would have been difficult for them to put together a draft that would
2: th- sort I of think they
1: be realistic I
2: think not it may maybe by pushing it off later, maybe they could do a hybrid maybe they could at least have the top guys there that would be a nice uh, result of pushing it back i just i think it's terrible that they that they're just waiting on it and i would I would have done it in June, but At least they're moving forward the lottery, and that's at least something. So at least we'll know who wins Lafreniere, unless, of course, Team Blank does, and then we won't know. (laughs) And then that'll be even crazier, because then it'll be like, a team that's in the play-in round can, one of them is going to get the top pick.
0: It's just obnoxious to me. Like, (laughs) just hold the lottery after the play-in round. Like, good lord. Yeah. If you're not going to have the draft I, before the before the play-in round, why do you need to have the lottery before the play-in round? Like, come on. And, and the the draft is, is going to be late. Either you're going to cancel the season, you're going to change how you do the draft, or the draft is going to be late. And obviously, the teams aren't going to let you change how they do the draft. If they just wanted to do no. it by regular season points percentage, they could have it right now and avoid all these developmental problems for an entire age cohort that Jackie's talking about. But that's not the world we live in. No. Changes and they're
2: going to order the, it by regular it. season points percentage any, for the vast majority of it anyway. Yeah,
0: but that that makes too much sense and i not going to do it. So the the draft lottery, like, I, I'm a big fan of just kind of like sitting around in these conspiracy theories about, well, it doesn't make any sense for Montreal to ice their best lineup and then, you know, go possibly <laughs> take away their chance at being Team B or like... It, at that, least the A, a full H chaos. Is, Let's go.
2: At least the A through H isn't assigned, so at least you can't say like, for example, Montreal does win the the lottery or whatever. At le- at least you know that if you tank and you try to lose, you only have a twelve percent shot. But then again, teams have tanked for
0: l- lower odds than that. So. Yeah, and then cried to the media when they didn't get their way. Um, but imagine the full chaos if a, <laughs> if a letter team wins all three spots. It, that too, because then then your odds go up. You've got and like what is it a three and eight chance? Like that's not that's not insurmountable. That, yeah, that's true too.
1: No, that that'd be worse than Edmonton winning the lottery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It would be doubly worse than Edmonton winning the lottery because that could result in Edmonton winning the lottery.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean if yeah, if they had if they had all three lottery picks delayed until the the letter teams are, are done and then Edmonton wins it. Um you know that that's just a, a Terrible situation for
0: everybody. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that happens, everyone should write shenanigans on a postcard. <laughs> Drive to their nearest NHL arena and super glue it to the ground.
2: <laughs> or say Montreal beats Pittsburgh, then Pittsburgh wins one of the the team letter spots, and then Pittsburgh had like the fifth best record in their conference. Yeah. But, you know. Apparently this is better, so we're going with it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Can't, can't just do the draft by points percentage, and you can't just hold off on your on your lottery. You got to bring in the conspiracies too. Let's <laughs> <laughs> again, I I respect the dedication to chaos. Hockey's a chaotic game. It's, it makes sense that this league would also be chaotic, be chaotic, be chaotic. Yeah. Um, so I I think that just about covers everything. Uh, I'm not sure how to wrap this episode up, folks. So I'll just ask these two jokers for closing thoughts.
1: Um, It's going to be a while before we know th- enough to really talk about sort of the abs roster first round matchups, what it's going to look like playing real hockey again. But, you know, like we said in the beginning, I, I, I think it's nice that there's at least a roadmap and, and when things do start falling into place, it's not like they have to struggle and and figure out something quick. I mean, we know what's going to happen, we just don't know when and and at least that's encouraging.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just happy to be back. I enjoy talking hockey. I enjoy it's nice at least knowing something. It's the the uncertainty I think is what kills everybody and even though we're still probably 2 months away, it's nice they've settled on some details. It's it's nice to know a few things and we can kind of anticipate the progress. I think in general, they've done a good job. We know nothing's going to be perfect. They're given a very difficult set of circumstances. I know a lot of people are expecting the NFL or the NHL to fail. I, th- I think they're going to pull it off. I'm optimistic. I know this is weird coming from me, but I am optimistic <laughs> about this process and that they're going to find a Stanley Cup champion at the end of this and i think how the avs set up through it is is fairly decent i if we're talking about just the avs i don't think they've been hurt by any of these decisions so if, at least from that standpoint i i don't really think that you could have much to complain about as an avs fan no
0: so, um, before we go, I've just seen like one small snippet of tiny news from Pierre Lebrun that we finally have an answer to how conditional first-round picks are going to work. Um, oh. This is from The Athletic. More specifically, the trade condition purposes, a club will not be deemed to have qualified for the playoffs unless or until they've progressed into the round of 16. And playoff games slash rounds will only include the games and rounds played in the round of 16 or later we believe this interpretation will best reflect the intention of the parties at the time of the trade the league stipulated. I think that makes good sense.
2: I do too. I think they've been pretty consistent that it's not playoffs until you make the 16. Yeah. So that should satisfy the conditionals.
0: Yeah. And then the
2: draft will be after that, so they they will have the information they need to figure it out.
1: And I assume this is more about you know the quote unquote top ten pick, um,
0: or qualified for the play. Yeah, qualified for or, the playoffs. Some of that lottery
1: pick, you know, lottery protected picks, and things like that.
0: Or what counts towards your X number of playoff games played? Yeah. The only thing is probably will they have
2: to prorate any statistics from the regular season, like that Lucic one that said the lucic Neil trade that had to do with 20 goals or something like they might have to... I think prorating that was the fairest way to to do that one but of course there'll be nah. a few that they'll need to discuss I don't,
0: don't, don't know so. I don't think so I don't think so I think if it if if the <laughs> stipulation is 20 goals then the legal way to go because these are you know contractual deals the the way the legal interpretation is does that number say 20
2: Well, I can see it either way. I mean,
0: that's true. I could see it either way. I mean, you knew
1: going in that the season could have been shortened.
0: Because if you're going to do it by, you know, based on potential games played, then you're going to end up in contract hell when someone has a hat trick in their first game of the season and then gets a season-ending injury and says, well, prorated.
2: Yeah, I can see that too. Okay, well, (laughs) whatever... Simplest, but just saying, there'll be a few other ones that that what he just said doesn't cover, but that probably does cover a lot of the conditionals.
0: Yeah, he's He'll it, probably
1: end up having arbitration on it anyway, just yeah. because it's
0: weird. <laughs> yeah, he, but but yeah, LeBron should probably have that pretty well hammered down. Um, well, that's that's my dog alarm that we have crossed the hundred minute mark, or at least are about to. I'm not really sure where the line is with our big technical <laughs> glitch in the middle. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Thanks to both of you for hopping on today and dealing with my laptop deciding to be a piece of shit. Um, And everybody stay safe out there. Please, please, please mask up. Whether you're going out to protest police brutality or buy some eggs, either one, please wear your goddamn mask. And we will be back in your ear holes, well, as soon as NHL events warranted. See ya.